0: I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth and the final week of our series entitled Why God? Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us right now. Man, we're fired up. So glad to see all of you with us. So we've been talking the last month throughout July. We've been talking about the importance of going to God with honest transparent prayer. Matter of fact, I love the book of Habakkuk. We've been studying the book of Habakkuk. Again, week one, I told you it's not Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk. And we've been looking at this rather obscure small book in the Old Testament. And it's it's really a capturing. The book of Habakkuk captures an honest, transparent conversation that this prophet is having with God. I'm so grateful that he was transparent. I'm so grateful that it, it, it's like he modeled for us that you could come before God, you could pour out your complaints, you could pour out your hopes, you could pour out your fears, your dreams, and your hurts. I'm so grateful that we don't have to pretend before God. We can be honest to God. Everybody say, honest to God. I'm so glad that we can be honest to God. God's not freaked out, God's not having a bad day, God's not going through a bad season. You ever had somebody like that? It's like, man, I don't want to talk to them. Why? When they're going through tough times, I don't want to put any more on them. How I many you know God actually invites us to put all we have on him that, that we can be honest with God? Now, the way that this book is broken up, it's chapter 1, 2, and 3. And when I began to put this together, I made a decision. Initially, I was going to do four weeks. And I, and I, and I wanted to finish up last week, so I concluded chapter 3. But I want to wrap up the series with a talk not out of Habakkuk. But I want to talk to you about what I believe is a solution to so many of the trials and the problems that we're all facing. Yes, God, God wants to speak to us. God wants to meet us. But but I want to add something to this. Uh, That God has not left us alone in this earth. Uh, That God has actually placed us, listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have to suffer. We don't have to go through trials alone. It's one thing to have to go through pain. It's one thing to have to go through a trial. But it's a whole other thing when you have to do it alone. I am so grateful that Jesus Christ died on the cross to not only pay the penalty and the price for our sins. He was raised from the dead. But he's also given us a family. He's given us his body. He's given us the church of Jesus Christ said that one of the ways, listen, one of the ways that we're able to walk through this life, that we're able to, quote, answer the question of why. Sometimes the greatest thing that somebody can do for you is not give you an answer, but to simply put their arm around you. The Bible says that we weep with those that weep. Uh, the Bible says that we rejoice with those that rejoice. Today I want to talk to you, an interesting way to wrap this up, that I'm kicking off mind games this week, but I want to talk to you about the power of Christ's church. I want to talk to you about the power of doing life, not alone, but the power of doing life with God's church. Because here's what I believe I cannot promise you as a pastor that things are going to get better and better out there, but I can tell you this that if you'll press into Christ and if you'll press into the body of Christ, you can get stronger and stronger. How many are grateful that Christ has given us his body, his church? Today, I want to talk to you about that God is building something. The question is, what is he building? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God is a creator, but God is also a builder. God is a creator. God is an artist. He's, he's creating. It's beautiful. God could have just created a sky and just, just made it, but he put blue and he put all of these unique colors. Why? God is a creator, but God is also a builder. God created once. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he put within that creation the ability to reproduce after its kind. A tree reproduces after its kind. An apple seed produces an apple tree. A a, uh, pear seed produces a pear tree. And watch this. People reproduce after their own kind. God created one time. But he's also building today. He created one time. The creation event was a singular act. It was something. The Bible talks about Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You open it up. God created the heavens. God created the earth. But, but although he has ceased creating, he's still building today. The question is, what is he building? What is God building? How does God build a life? How does God build a family? God, how, how does God build what God builds? He created once. God is the creator. But, but he's still building today. He's still, he's still building people's lives together today. <clears throat> the question is, what is he building? The question is, how is God building? Hebrews chapter three, verse four, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things, watch this, is God. I want to say this to all of our locations. The question is, what is God building? How is God building? When do we know that God has built something? God created once, but God is He's still building today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, a very powerful verse. The Bible says, Jesus said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will come on, everybody, every location. Can we just say those next two words? I will build the next two words after "build," I want everybody to say the count of three. What are those next two words? One, two, three, my church. In other words, Jesus said, I will build my church. He created once. You look at the creation event. God created the heavens. God created the earth. It's powerful, the creation event. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. God created, boom. He put within it the biotic capacity where life capacity, where everything that he creates reproduces after its own kind. But he's still building today. And Jesus said, I will build. Building's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. The question is, what is he building? How is he built? Jesus locates what God, listen, the Father is speaking about when he says, I am a builder. What is he building? He is building his church. There's a lot of people hating on Christ's church today. Well, you know, the church is, you know, it's led by this, it's led by that. Yeah. All these people that are leading God's church, listen, they are fallible. They are imperfect. But I'm grateful that God is perfect. I'm grateful that God has uniquely, listen, designed something that is called his church. And it's his church, the Bible says, that the gates of hell should not prevail against. God is building his church. God is building a people together. God has always wanted a people God is a father. He's always wanted a family. God is building his church today. And every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every ethnic background, generationally, the young, the middle-aged, that's me, and the old, that's some of y'all. Come on, are you with me? God is building his church. God is building his church. It's interesting when you begin to think about Life and the pains and the, the the challenges that people go through. There's only one thing worse than pain. It's feeling pain when you're by yourself. You don't have to suffer alone. The Bible says that Christ has given us His church, His body. Jesus said the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Today, I want to talk to you about how is God building His church. God is a father. He's always wanted a family. You open the scripture, you look at Adam and Eve. They had a family, and then they had children, and then they had children. And then, and then they, well, Adam and Eve sinned. They walked away from God. God says, I'm going to make covenant with mankind. Father Abraham, he, he had many sons. And, and then it was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he called them into covenant with him. He always wanted a family. And then we go throughout the Old Testament in the New Testament, the church. What is the church? It's God's family in the earth. God is a father, He's always wanted a family. He's not detached. We are not deists. What are deists? They believe that God is a creator, but that God has just stepped back and he's just kind of wound up this earth. And it's just kind of doing it by itself. No, we believe that God is involved in the lives of people. Uh, that that, That God is working. That God is working in your life. And I want to say this to you God wants to speak to you. God is a father. God wants to speak to you, and God wants to place you in a family, and He wants to put people around you. Let me tell you something pain without purpose is misery, it's wasted. But when you have pain and you understand purpose and how God can use your pain to encourage somebody else and and their pain to encourage you and you can grow in Christ's likeness and you can make a difference for Christ in the earth and actually use that pain to make a difference, all of a sudden it makes sense. Everybody say God's church. question is how is God building his church? Three ways that God builds his church in the earth. Number one, God builds revelationally. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open... With me to Matthew chapter 16. I want to read a portion of scripture. I want to talk to you today about what is God building today. As we wrap up the series. It's a little unique. But I think it's, it is an antidote to suffering. And it's we, are, we, we, we experience pain in the context of community. And it, and it makes sense. And then God uses my pain to, and your pain. And he redeems it. And then we can actually help other people. What God has done in our life. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, Elijah and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? It gets real personal. Well, who do you guys say? We, we know what everybody else is saying, but what do y'all say about me? Simon Peter answered and said, Well, you, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you didn't just think this up in your head. But my Father who is in heaven, he's revealed it to you. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see that Jesus He's coming into a place called Caesarea Philippi, a very important city. In Israel, if you go to Israel today, Caesarea Philippi, it's a northern city. matter of fact, I've been to Israel a bunch of times. first time I went there, we stopped there, and then we went up to the northern part. There's a mountain range. You can actually see Syria and Lebanon. Then we came back down, and our tour guide talked to us about Caesarea Philippi. What is Philip? Caesarea Philippi. Philip was the son of Herod. It's interesting, he was, <laughs> he was an egomaniac, and he thought, you know what, I'm going to name a city after myself. Now, you, you, we often hear of cities named after people, but I mean, you know, hopefully they're dead when they get the city named after them. You know, could you imagine a mayor? Today we will declare the cities named after me. But anyway, he called it Caesarea because he wanted to honor Caesar, so it's Caesarea Philippi. Now, different than a Jewish city, Caesarea Philippi, it wasn't a Jewish city. In other words, there was, there was, they were worshiping many gods, very, it was a very polytheistic city. It was a lot of things going on there. Matter of fact, a lot of Greek and Roman influence in that city. And in that city, actually, they worship one of the gods they worship was the god of Pan, P-A-N. I never forget the first time that I went there. It was amazing. I went there and the tour guide brought us, and there's this big cavern. This is interesting. There's this kind of like big cave area. And I never forget the tour guide said. He said that the people in ancient in the Bible times they actually thought that that was the gates of hell that went there. Now, question: Why did Jesus end up there? Well, John the Baptist was killed, and his disciples knew that if he went to Jerusalem, he'd be killed before the time, and so they took him north. Remember, he was was in Capernaum, so they they, they took him north. They took him up there. Now watch this. I think it is prophetic that he went to Caesarea Philippi because it was in that context that he began to ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? Wow, some say that you're John the Baptist. You know, you kind of came back from the dead. Some, Some say, well, some say you're Elijah. That's who you are. And then he turns to Peter. He said, Peter, who do you say that I am? I said, well, I'll tell you who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Yeah, that's who you are. You're not just a good man, but you're God. Yeah, you're 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 the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Listen, and Jesus said this, flesh and blood is not revealed. In other words, you didn't just figure this out in your mind. He says, but my Father in heaven and upon this rock. What is the rock? And let me say this very respectfully. There is a whole group of people that thought that Peter is the rock. I am so grateful that my faith is not based upon an apostle that got it right 25% of the time. Are you with me? Peter is not the rock. Are you kidding me? The, the the Peter's back and forth and back and forth. He jumps out the boat. He sinks. I mean, trust me. It was not Peter being the rock. It was the rock of revelation that Christ is the Son of the Living God. That's the rock. And let me tell you something. That's what our faith is built upon. And I think it is so characteristic of God. Listen to me. Why Caesarea Philippi? Because it was in that place, geographical place. Listen, listen that Jesus revealed the church. Why is that important? Because in the backdrop of the gates of hell, the backdrop of all of this polytheism and all of this demonic stuff, here's what he said. My church shines brightest in dark places. That's what it, it was prophetic. Don't, don't tell me that the church, you know, well, you serve Christ. Y'all just go away. Go in the mountain, just kind of hide. Wait for the rapture. Do rapture practice. No, no, no. The Bible says we are a city set on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. In other words, how will they know unless there's somebody filled with the Spirit of Christ in a dark place? How many are grateful that we can shine our light? We can shine our light. So, Pastor, how does God build? I tell you what he's building. He's building his church. How does he build it? Number one, he builds it through the revelation of who Christ is. The church is not a social club, although there are social things that we do. How has God built his church? He builds his church through men and women of God that have trusted Christ as their Savior. Do you know Christ? Have you trusted Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Have you put your faith in Christ? There is a whole move in Christian churches today where it's like this universalism that has just kind of invaded the church where Jesus is a way, maybe even the best way, but not the only way. That is absolutely unbiblical. Jesus himself said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. This week I was in New York and Connecticut with my wife and my daughter. We were in the uh, cab on the way back to the airport. And I was talking to that person. And I said, Man, I, you know, I always try to have conversations. Of course, my, you know, I've always I'm very, you know, outgoing personality. I used to invite the mailman into our house when we were kids. My parents say, Don't do that. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> And so I was just talking this very, I said, man, I said, you know, you know, tell me who you are and tell me where you're at. And he was from a different religion. And, and so, you know, my daughter's looking, what is going to happen? I said, well, tell me, you know, uh, you know do you, you have a relationship with God? There is only one God. I said, well, that's great. And he says, and the way to God is to be good. And he says, if you'll be good, you go to God. There are bad people and good people. And the bad people do not go to God. The good people go to God. And I said, what are you? He says, good. And I said, really? I said, I'm not. I'm bad. Matter of fact, you're bad too. All of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. I'm so grateful that I'm not going to heaven based upon whether I'm good or bad. I'm, based upon, I'm going to heaven based upon my faith in Christ who is good. He's washed me. He's cleansed me. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who is Jesus? Do? What is Jesus? How does he build his church? He builds his church based upon the revelation of who Christ is. In other words, he builds his church based upon men and women of God that have been born again. Do you know that there's a church inside of every church? What do I mean by that? Those that truly know Christ. Well, how do you truly know Christ? You've got to put your faith in Christ. Let me tell you something. You don't go to heaven based upon the fact that your mom was a Christian, your dad was a Christian, your paran, your grandma. No, you go to heaven. Let me tell you, and I love church, and you ought to be in the house of God. That's point two. But let me tell you something. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in the middle of the garage makes you a Christian or a car. Well, I'm in the middle of the garage. Boy, well, what are you? I'm a car. No, you're not. You're a human being. It's you've got to trust Christ. Question. I want every campus. A, are you born again? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you put your faith in Christ? Jesus said, watch this, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. What is the revelation? The revelation is that Christ is truly the Son of God, that he is the Savior of your soul, and you will not go to heaven unless you trust Christ as your Savior. Here's my question. I want everybody to lean in. Do you know Christ? Have you been born again? I'm asking everybody, have you been born again? Have you trusted God? I'm not talking about, do you feed the poor at Thanksgiving? That's great. We don't feed the poor to get right with God. We feed the poor because we're right with God. Good works are amazing. We do a lot of them at church again, gives away millions of dollars every year. But I'm gonna tell you something, we don't do that to be right with God. We do that as an overflow of being right with God. That's what we do. My question is, do you know Christ? Have you trusted Christ your savior? Pastor, what is God building? He's building his church. What is he building it upon? He's building it upon the rock of the revelation of who Christ is and men and women of God, all ages, young people, all the people that have trusted Christ and they've been born again. There's not a bunch of ways to God. There's not a bunch, there's only one way. It's trusting Christ. Number two, the second way that God builds is God builds relationally. The family is the basic building block. Of every society, we cannot be born without relationships. Somebody had a relationship. There was, there was a baby that came forth. We cannot survive, by the way, without relationships. They do studies, and they, can do, stu- they do studies about the importance of the interconnectedness of a, of a child, and they can feel connection, and they can feel warmth. Matter of fact, that's why, let me tell you, they, they do studies where a child can actually hear and feel the, the, the sounds, even when they're in a mother's womb. By the way, that's why we're pro-life, by the way. We believe there's a real baby, a real person right there, right there, right there. And the, and, the, and the reality is, is, that, is that that child, that child, you, you, can do, you can look at the studies, if that child's not placed into a context where there's at least a human being, some human being that loves that child, where there's a warmth, there's a connectivity, there's a, there's a, there's a that's why the family unit is so important because that child, let me tell you, if that child is not placed in the context of relationship, they don't grow healthy. In the same way, when somebody's born again, I hear a lot of people, even with COVID, has kind of accelerated that. I hear a lot of people, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. Really? Well, then you're better than Jesus. Because he died on the cross for the church. People in the church. The Bible says that God has set, listen to this, Psalm 68, 6, God has set the solitary in families. God sets you in a relationship. God sets you in church. There's natural family and there's spiritual family. By the way, it's really great when your natural family, your mom, your dad, it's really great when they're also your spiritual family, when they're not only your natural family, but they're also born again and you can talk about Jesus. How many of y'all, how many of y'all know that's a powerful thing? So when you get born again, that's why it's important to be in a strong, local, healthy church. By the way, Church of the King's not the only church. There's great churches and all the communities where we have campuses. But I'm so grateful that I do believe this is a strong church where you can be discipled. So in other words, what is God building? He's building his church. How does God build it? Number one, he builds it through true men and women of God that have been born again. They trust in Christ. And then they're placed into a church in the context of relationship. And you grow in relationship. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 18 but now God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased without connection you won't go spiritualic person tell I I was sharing Christ with somebody one time and, and I said to them I said you know are you a Christian they said well that my, my 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 Christianity's private I said well let me just say this your Christianity's personal but it's not private according to the New Testament This little light of mine I'm going to let it shine this little light how, how's your light don't put it under a bushel. Come on, y'all didn't go to VBS when y'all were kids in the 70s? <laughs> your Christianity, it's personal. You have to trust Christ as your savior, but it's not private. There's nothing of the context of private time. Listen, Christianity is not private in the New Testament. When you trust Christ, let me tell you, you're placed in the context of relationship. You need other people to grow in Christ. I thank God that I was discipled. I thank God for Pastor Doug Arman, who is at our Little Creek campus, who was one of the primary people that helped to disciple me. and He walked with me and encouraged me. That's the power of the church. We need relationships. Why? Because we all need prayer. We all need care. We all need encouragement. We all need We all need spiritual wisdom. How does God build? What is he building? He's building his church. How does he do it? Through the revelation of who Christ is. Men and women of God that are born again. Number two, he takes born again people and he puts them in the context of a local church. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together, grows. God is growing us together. He's growing us together into a holy temple in the Lord. It's like this person said to me one time, well, Pastor, you know, I know y'all are into small groups of Church of the King, and y'all want people to get into a relationship, and, and, and I just I don't know why that's important. He goes, what if I go to a small group and the people are weird there? I said, well, go to another one. Well, what if I go to another one and they're weird? Go to another one. They said it one more time. I said, what if I go to another one and they're weird? I said... Look at the only common denominator in all those groups. (laughs) That's why we talk about small groups. That's why we talk about the importance of being in church. Why? That's why after all of our services, we have a prayer line. You can get prayer here, but you get prayer in groups. You get prayer when you're on a dream team. You get prayer when you're on a mission trip. In other words, the church, the power of God's church, don't be a hater on God's church. Why? Because it's what he's got. There's only a plan A. There's no plan B. There's only a plan A. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also are living stones or built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will not by any means be put to shame. Look what it says. We're living stones. Everyone say living stones. You know what a stone is? Listen to me. Bricks are laid, bricks are laid, but stones are set. Let me tell you, listen to me. God sets you in a spiritual family. God set you in a church, and you've got things that somebody else doesn't have, and they've got gifts that you don't have, and you need one another. you got Pastor Doug. I mean, he's amazing. You know, you get with Pastor Doug. He's an encourager. He's all this stuff. He's like, yeah, it's just amazing. You get with me. I'm I'm different. I mean, I encourage people, but I'm saying that didn't make sense. But anyway, so he's actually more different. But anyway, so. But it's okay. It's it's okay. It's okay. And that's what a church is about, a healthy church. And, and that's, why, that's why we tell people to be involved. Why? Because you've got strengths that other people don't have and vice versa. You know, this week, Jennifer and I, with our youngest daughter, Annalise, had the privilege to go again to Connecticut. We went to New York, toured New York one day. But we went to Connecticut. and It was really interesting. A couple of reasons why. One of which, Jennifer used to live there right after college, but also because her relatives are from there. It's so powerful. And there's a place in Guilford, Connecticut. And it was... Matter of fact, I'm going to show you a picture. I took this picture of my lovely wife. Isn't Jennifer wonderful? Come on. Don't you all think she's just wonderful? And listen to this. I want everybody to look at this. Every one of our campuses. This is the oldest stone house in New England. It was built in 1639. Everybody say stones. I think that's important. That's important. Matter of fact, that house was built and it was, it was the house owned by Henry Whitfield, not George Whitfield, but Henry Whitfield, 1639. It was an incredible group of people. Forty families came over to America. It's an amazing, amazing story. And they, and they came. They were the second, one of the, actually 19 years after Plymouth Rock. And Jennifer's great, 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 great grandfather, John Parmley, was on that boat. And it, it was so overwhelming for us to see that. And, and, I, and, and he was a Puritan. These were all Puritans. They, the Puritans were those that, that had a problem with the king in England. They thought that all these things, and the English king would tell them to do this and do that. And they, they, they stayed a part of the church in England, but they wanted to purify the church of England. They, they, and and they, were, they were Puritans. That was the point. And I remember seeing this house, and I thought to myself, this thing. By the way, the only thing that's still standing after 400 years in actual true form is the walls that are made in stone. And let me tell you something, let me tell you something. If you build God's way, it stands the storms of life. It stands the storms of life. Stones. Stones. There's two ways to build. You build your life on the sand. You build it on the the changing vicissitudes of culture. If you feel this way one day, you're this. If you feel the next day, you're that. Do You change it on the changing tide of culture. Or do you change it on the bedrock foundation of the word of God? God is building a people, listen, that are based upon the rock. And let me tell you something, he's building stones together. He's placing them, placing them there. I thank God for the relationships in my life. I thank God for Pastor Randy, Pastor Doug. I thank God for the men that have walked with me for literally for decades. Because let me tell you, myself, by myself, we all get weird. We all have crazy thoughts. We all, well, I don't go to church. I just sit in a coffee shop and read the Bible by myself. Well, you are weird. (laughs) You're weird. No, you got hurt in a church because fallible people do dumb things. We all do. Preachers do very dumb things. And let me just tell you something. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Just go, that was a dumb preacher, but I need the body of Christ. Can I have a big amen right there? Right there. Right there. What is God building? He's building his church in the earth. How does God do it? Number one, he builds it through revelation. Question. Have you been born again? Are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? I love the fact that church came. We do social things. We connect with people. We have fun. We have all kinds. But I'm going to tell you something. God's church is built upon men and women of God that have trusted Christ. They're born again. The Bible says you're born once from your mother's womb. That's born from water. And number two, you're born from above. I'm going to ask everybody. I'm asking, have you been born again spiritually? I'm not asking, are you religiously inclined to nice values? I'm not asking that. I'm not asking about, I take a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Islam, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of Christianity, and, I, and I've just I've got a kind of smorgasbord, And because after all, religion is all about you know, just helping people. No, it's not. Biblical Christianity is first about having a relationship with the living God through trusting Jesus Christ, the Son, getting your sins washed and forgiven, where you can come righteous before God, not based upon your own works, but based upon the work of Christ on the cross. Everybody say revelation. What is God building? He's building his church. How does he do it? Through revelation. Number two, through relationship. Let me give you the third and final thing. God is a generational God. God is building the generations. God is a God of the generations. He builds revelationally, relationally, and generationally. Once the foundation of the revelation of Christ is laid, the godly relationships are formed. One more critical element is he's he's building generations. That's what God does. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Moreover, he said, listen, I am the God, listen, of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is into the generations. God God wants to see one generation impact the next generation and lead the next generation to Christ and the next generation to Christ and on and on and on and on. By the way, if you're a pastor and you stay in a church long enough, I've been here 23 years the church started 23 years ago. Let me tell you something. You, you, can now see, you can now see kids that grew up in the church that have gotten saved. And, and they've had kids. And those kids are being be getting their hearts right with God. and, and that you, It's amazing to see it. And when you see a church that's healthy, you see young people. And you see middle-aged people. And you see elderly people. And by the way, we need all the people and you see different ethnic backgrounds, and you see men and you see women. Why? Because God is a generational God. God builds through revelation of who Christ is, and He builds through relationship. He puts you in a family, and then He builds generations. I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm so grateful. You know, our founding elder, Dr. Greg Muley. He he his mom, of course, prayed with him and for him, and. Love her and then his kids, three or four of his kids that live here come to church. And it's so wonderful to see them on the weekend and, and see Dr. Greg and Nancy. And then they've got their kids and, and, then, the, and then their kids and then now their kids. And you're talking to four generations. Now, I know that, that we live in a mobile society, people move away. But I'm going to tell you as a pastor, it, it really does your heart good when you see a grandmom and a granddad with their kids and their kids. How many you know God is a God of the generation and God blesses the generations? God blesses the generation. By the way, I want to say this. That's why we value every age at Church of the King. We value the y- young people. I want everyone to hear me, every campus. We are not doing glorified babysitting with your kids in children's church. Just give them a lollipop. Just say Jesus three times. No, we're putting the word of God in their heart. We're marking their souls with God. We're raising up leaders for the next generation. That's what we're doing. Hey, your daughter, your daughter may be the next, who knows, godly woman of God that changes the planet for Christ. Your son, who knows, it may be the next Billy Graham in Church of the King in the Children's Church right now. Why not? Why not? Why not believe for that? And our youth, I'm so grateful for our youth in all of our campuses. We had 700 teenagers this summer at camp, not other churches coming, not other churches, just Church of the King. Our campuses, 700 kids, 400 uh, high school. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? 700. And let me tell you something. I'm believing for a a youth revival. I'm believing for your kids to be on fire for God, Uh, your young kids. I'm believing for the teenagers, our college campus ministry district, and all these colleges around here. I'm believing for the generations. You know, it's interesting, we... Jennifer and I were in Guilford, and I, you know, Jennifer had gotten this book a year ago. Priscilla Shire, some of you ladies at our campuses, you did the series, I think it was Elijah. And in that series, she mentioned, she said, uh, she's incredible. She's uh, Dr. Tony Evans, is one of the most powerful African American pastors. One of them, you need to listen, by the way, to Dr. Tony Evans. He is powerful, and he has a word for America right now, I'm telling you. And his daughter, is amazing. She's actually preaching in this church twice uh, years ago in, our, in, in, in the annex at the Little Creek campus and she talked about the Valley of Vision, the prayers of the Puritans. And she talks about that in the morning time, Oftentimes, her prayer time consists of just reading these prayers of the Puritan prayers. When I began to think about Jennifer's great, 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 great grandfather. By the way you can look it up. John Parmalee. It was a French name. By the way, they were French they got kicked out of France and they went to Holland. They got kicked out of Holland. They ended up in England. And then they left England. My ancestors are from England. Some of them stayed. I said, honey, just think, we kicked you guys out of here, I guess. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> but here's the point. Listen to me. And they came on a boat, the St. John. And when you, read, when you read the Guilford Covenant, they talk about It's like the Mayflower Compact 19 years later. I walked out there, I was just crying. I was just like, the foundation of religious freedom. Oh, I know America's got all kind of challenges, but I'm going to tell you something. The, don't let anybody tell you not otherwise. The foundation of these people that came, it was to religious freedom to serve God without the dictates of the King of England telling them what to do, what not to do. They wanted to worship God. And I looked at Jennifer, I said, I wonder... I wonder if your great 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 friend. I didn't wonder. I said, "I'm telling you, he prayed prayers." You're walking into that today. Listen to me. I'm so grateful for my. I'm so grateful for my parents' prayers and and my great 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 ancestors. And I'm not sure. I think on one side we were moonshiners in Kentucky, so I'm not sure if they were praying. I said, "We got to go before the moonshiners. Hopefully, there's some Christians back there." But. We were in the Cajun Swamp and Moonshiners. But anyway, that's another story. I said, we're going to pray and lock our kids into your line, Jennifer. Listen to me. This is important. You are where you are today because of the prayers. Your decisions, yes. But I'm telling you the prayers. I'm praying today. When I hold my wife's hand, not just for my kids, but for my grandkids. And for my great-grandkids. Oh, God, raise up a generation of people, young men and women, to make a difference for Christ in the generation that you've placed them. Lord, bless the generations. Everybody say, bless, bless. the generations. Bless. What is God building? He's building his church. How does God build? He builds through revelation, relationships, and generationally. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Maybe you're here today at one of our campuses and you're not where you need to be with God. The Bible says, whoever calls upon that name, the name of Jesus shall be saved. Friends, here's, here's what's so clear. Your wife can't pray that prayer for you. Your mom can't. Your husband. Nobody can. You have to receive Christ personally. Oh, yes, Christianity is personal. So my question is this. Are you born again? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for hands to be raised. and I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you or but I am going to ask you right where you are. If you say, Pastor Steve, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. I need my sins forgiven. The Bible says, whoever calls upon that name, the name of Jesus. I can't save you, church. The king can't save you. Your uncle being a deacon at a church can't save you. Those are wonderful things. for your, But I'm telling you, it's you personally have to receive Christ. So at the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Every one of our campuses, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly hold up your hand high. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, buddy, right there. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else over here? Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sir. God brought you here today, buddy. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure. God bless you as well. Wow. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Way at the top. God bless you. God brought you here today. Church family, let's pray. All of our campuses, let's just pray with those that are trusting Christ. This is a holy, holy moment. Then right afterwards, our altar team's gonna be here. If you need prayer, we're here for you as a church. I I want us just to pray. Can we just pray this together? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people.
1: Man, what an amazing message and what a great way to wrap up this series. But before we end our time together, we just wanna take a minute to recognize those of you who are making the decision right now to give your lives to Jesus. Man, congratulations. We believe this is the best decision you could ever make. You are redeemed, restored, and you are a new creation in Christ. So circle this day on your calendar, make a note in your phone. Don't forget it because today's the your new life with Christ begins
0: yes and we are so excited for you and the the greatest thing is you don't have to do this alone we as your church family would love
1: to come alongside you and provide you with whether it's prayer resources or answer any questions you may have about what it means to follow Jesus and the easiest way you
0: can let us know that you've made this, this decision is to either click the link in the chat room or
1: you could text the word decision to the number 822-822 and one of our pastors would love to connect with you. Now, before we wrap up our time today, we wanna remind you again that next week we are kicking off our brand new series called Mind Games. So on that note, I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever battled with fear or anxiety or insecurity? maybe even right now you feel stuck under the weight of condemnation or depression the bible teaches us that there is a battle in our minds and there's a battle for our minds but here's the good news you can have victory the apostle paul teaches us that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds so as we kick off this new series next week let's lean in let's get ready and let's learn how we can have victory in the battle in our minds wow that is going to be an incredible series and hey maybe you're thinking of someone right now who could benefit from being a part of this go ahead invite them don't wait we would love to have them be a part of service with us next week With that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Same time. Same place. We love you guys. Have an amazing week.